thank you so much. It's a joy to be here. We had to try and work out, go back, oh, what year was it? Anyway, we worked it all out. Um, yeah, and it's an absolute privilege to be in Basingstoke with an army of God's extraordinary people. You are an army of extraordinary people who've been given a commission to take the light and love and grace and truth of Jesus out to all those around you. And so it's just such a joy and privilege to be with you this morning. Um, I'm going to start by reading a little bit um, from Matthew chapter 9. So we're going to start Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. I love this piece. Um, I love being... Uh, Hope together. Uh, we have just such a dream. Everyone, everywhere knowing Jesus. That's your dream. It's my dream. It's an obvious big dream. But you know what? Everyone, everywhere should have the opportunity at least once in their lives to make a decision as to who they think Jesus is and whether he could transform their life. Yeah. Don't we agree? Yeah. Everyone should have that opportunity at least once in their life to hear about who Jesus is and to make that decision for themselves as to whether or not they want to choose in and be part of the family of God. And that's what we're passionate about with Hope. We're passionate about the local church is the answer. You are the answer. You are those commissioned people. Just how could Jesus commissioned his 12? He then commissioned 72. And then as he left, he commissioned his apostles. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the church has carried on that commission since that day to this one. So again, we stand here and you stand as a group of churches together to be commissioned again yeah. in the power of the Spirit under the calling of Jesus, with the authority of the Father, to go in his name and to preach the good news and to bring people into the kingdom and the family of God. There is nothing more weighty for a purpose, is there? There is nothing more exciting that we could be involved in. Everything else, I don't know about you, there's things that get in the way of this. Do you ever find that? So it's great we're here, but the things that get in the way of our major calling, all our minor callings get in the way of our major calling as the people of God. Mm. Be it that they're, you know, sometimes you know, we've run out of fruit in our, we always run out of fruit. It's because we, there's six of us and an awful lot of other people who come in and out of our house. And so bananas. <laughs> Do you know how many bananas you need for six people if everyone wants one every day? If any of you've got a family with four children, you will know. It's a lot of bananas, isn't it? 
And then if other people come in and eat the bananas as well, because they happen to be in and they saw a banana, you need an awful lot of bananas. There's just, I mean, it's not that they, but there's an awful lot of things that, that happen. And some of those things are growing the kingdom because we're actually, we, what we're doing is investing in the people who've got this calling, isn't it? That's why things like that are really important. Um, we're part in East London. It's amazing seeing what God's doing. I had the amazing, I have a women's group uh, on a life group on a Monday night that I absolutely adore. And on uh, some point in the summer, we were sitting around, a, around the table in the garden, and I thought I'd just ask everyone to share their stories of how they came to faith. So we started going around the table, sharing how people came to faith, and it got to me. And I explained how I'd been brought up in an amazing Christian family and how I'd always followed Jesus. And they all stared at me, because I was the odd one out. Nobody else around that table had that story, which was extraordinary. Everyone else had quite recently come to know Jesus. And I love reading that group because they are so hungry for the Bible. The only thing they want to do is Bible. And we do an awful lot of food and eating and talking and all that. And then we do Bible. But it is such a joy and privilege. And that's why I want to talk about this. But I want to tell you that I'm earthed. You know, I have the same struggles that you have of trying to balance and juggle. Um, but the absolute joy when people discover Jesus. The absolute joy when people discover Jesus. And they read the Bible for the first time with you and they've never read it and they can't wait to get to the end. And they're like, what happens next? Because they don't know what happens next. Um, and so I love living it out as well as... Um, being part like Hope Together is where it kind of happens out of the basement. We operate out of the basement and we're here. And I love research. So, um, oh, actually, this might work. Does this work? Yes. Yeah, look at that. Amazing. So, I love talking about talking about Jesus. <laughs> so, people often ask me, what do you do? I talk about talking about Jesus. That's mostly what I do. And um, I also talk about Jesus. So, I talk about Jesus and I talk about talking about Jesus. Um, <laughs> And this is the name of some research. Now, we originally did it in 2015, which is why I came to you in 2015. We redid it in 2022. And I can point out to you things that have changed and got me even more excited, because I was pretty excited in 2015. But in 2022, I am even more excited <laughs> about what God is doing in the UK and what this research does and how it helps us to see and catch hold of a wider vision. Um, we did this research 2022. For those who love all of this kind of stuff, this is what it tells you. We did a big sample. Uh, we did it as we came out of the pandemic, and we had a boost sample of practicing Christians to find out a little bit about us. And it's like a soup of the UK. So imagine like a uh, like the recipe. If you had a recipe to make up what the UK looked like, we had enough people from the different regions, gender, ethnicity, to make up the soup that is UK, which could help us to represent it and explain about it. And the first thing this research helps us understand is in that passage, what's our harvest field like? Now pause for a moment. What do you think the harvest field is like in the UK at the moment? If you had to describe it, would you use the same words as Jesus? Would you say, yes, the harvest is plentiful? Would you be like, actually, I'm not so sure. I think we've got very tough ground. I seem to spend a lot of time weeding. You know, how's, what do you think the harvest field is like where you are? Here. Difficult. Yeah. So let's have a look at what we think 
statistically? And also, where do we get our ideas of what the harvest field is like? Who's telling you what the harvest field is like? And this is where we're going to get, um, if you like, underneath some of the things that are happening in the UK. First of all, did any of you have a look at the census data when it came out? We were roughly on, online. We had loads and loads of headlines, didn't we? We'd fallen under the 50% mark of people who were Christian. That's what all those headlines were about. We had a rising trend of the nuns, as we call them, the none of the above. Uh, the word religion just doesn't really... Mm. But actually, I'm about 12% atheist. And if you go younger, if you're going into the younger generations, um, this one will grow, this one will come down. Um, some of these will grow a bit. Um, and different parts of the country as well have slightly different demographics. But these nuns here, do you know, a third of those would describe themselves as spiritual. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Spiritual. That's not as closed as you imagine, is it? Mm. And then what's going on with all of these people? They're an interesting group, aren't they? <laughs> We're some of them, we're definitely not all of them, or we'd need a much bigger building. So there's something interesting there in a spectrum of people still willing to have an allegiance to the Christian faith in the UK. So in an age of secularism and science, there is still a good group of people who are willing to say that they're Christian in the UK. So yes, we had headlines all over the place, but I was like, actually, it's still not like a wipeout. There's still a lot of people who would say that they're Christian. What do people believe and how would they describe Jesus? So about 20% of the UK population would say that he was God in human form who lived and worked and walked amongst people. 25% think he's a normal human being. But look at this, 33% who think he's um, a prophet or a spiritual leader, not God. That's not just people of other faiths. That's an awful lot of the UK people. Would you like a cup of tea with somebody who thinks that Jesus is a prophet? Because that's not a no, is it? Do you see? That's not a no. That's a, oh, I'd like to have a chat with them, wouldn't you? Because actually I could tell them what the prophet said. So if you think he's a prophet, why don't we look at his prophecy together? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I could be interested in that. Kind of spiritual, yeah? Can you see? This is not a no. So this is a definitely a, a, a yes. This is a, I don't know, maybe, who knows? This is a, this is a really open crowd of people. Um, they th but this is a whole group who think he was real, lived on work. This is mythical or fictional. Interesting. A bit more like Gandalf. <laughs> now, this has made me readdress maybe, I don't know how many of you do school stuff, work, doing schools assemblies, get, get, which is amazing openness we have in the UK for that. Uh, I think maybe we've got to stop doing stories of Jesus, because the word story could mean myth. The life, the historic life events of a person called Jesus Christ who lived and walked on earth. Does, does that make sense? So just yeah. changing our language when we're doing that would really help on this. And what do people think about Jesus? So that Jesus comes out, number one, as spiritual. In today's society, is spiritual good or bad? Good. Good. Interesting harvest field this, isn't it? There's so a lot of people who think that Jesus is a spiritual person and a prophet. Oh, 
like a cup of tea, wouldn't you, with them? <laughs> Peaceful, good or bad in today's world? <laughs> Loving. <laughs> Wise. <laughs> Leader. Interesting whether that's good or bad. Um, in today's world. But mostly, Jesus comes out pretty good. So when I'm talking to someone, finding out what they think about Jesus is a really good starting place. Does that make sense? Because sometimes I come to people like they're a blank slate and I've got to get all this stuff. But maybe finding out where they are on Jesus is going to be a much better place. Now, are you ready? This one, you should... If any of you were here in 2015, I know it's a long way back, but this is a stat that got us excited in 2015 and it is still awesome. Absolutely jaw drop in 2022. This is the belief that Jesus rose from the dead. You are now looking at me like there is something wrong with your statistics. <laughs> I'm used to that. So 16% of the population think Jesus rose from the dead word for word as in the Bible. 29% think Jesus rose from the dead, but there's some wobble factor in their belief. That is a massive 45%. It was 44% in 2015. So it hasn't gone down. Well, people, what should we do about Easter? <laughs> Whimper away and make an apology and then go on holiday? Or try to find this group of people? So that's what we're trying to do, together, like across the nation. We'd like a cup of tea with this lot. We'd like to invite them into our churches on Easter Sunday. We'd like them to discover that this something belief could transform their life from the inside out and they will never be the same. Because if they met the resurrected Jesus, yeah. he would transform them. Yeah. So this is a group of people probably hoping for some sort of afterlife, a little bit of something. I maybe was told about it. I think it could be true. But what if they met Jesus? What if he walked in the room and had a conversation with them? Can you imagine the difference? Now, we get on really well with a guy called um, Dave Smith, Kingsgate Church, where you've done learning communities. Now, Dave and his church, he had an, had an invitational Easter Sunday and said, come on, everybody, let's invite everyone we know to the biggest party we as Christians should be having. Jesus died and he rose again. That is the most important historic event in the entire history of the universe. Yeah. Otherwise, we should all go home. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, that's how it is. So why don't we actually make it our biggest moment and our biggest event, and let's invite everybody to the party, anyone, anyone we can meet. And then what he did is he asked them, had that invitational Sunday. Then he had another invitational Sunday the next week. So he did all the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He said, is Easter still next week? So come back next week. So they came back next week. Is Easter still next week? So they came back next week. In fact, he ran five weeks of invitational Easter. No one could go on the holiday, in the school holidays. <laughs> but they went for Easter. And what he found is the people that came on that Sunday, they stayed because they kept getting invited back. And then they never left because they met the resurrected Jesus. So we were like... Oh, that's a good idea, Dave. <laughs> Maybe we could all do that. Yeah, we could all do that. So with Dave and that team, we're creating a live series for, for Easter 24, looking at the resurrection account encounters of Jesus so that everyone can run them as films but invite everybody because we want this group of people yeah. to discover Jesus for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They are not closed. Mm. Yeah. 
We've just got to find them. Does that make sense? So we've got this incredible opportunity in Easter. What do, what does, and also what do this harvest field think about you and me? What do you think it might think about us as Christians? Bit weird. Yeah, bit weird. This is how we come out. Look at this. Friendly, caring. I particularly like the fact that we're good humoured in here at 33%. Could have been higher, but hey, it's up there. But look, we're not, we're not hypocritical or narrow-minded. We're not homophobic. We're not, do you see? We're cracking. <laughs> look around the room, of course you are. You are the person on your street who is most likely to give somebody sugar, grab a bag for them to take it to the hospital, and most people know that. This is extraordinary. So this was asked of non-Christians once, whether they knew a Christian, and then they were asked about the practicing Christian that they knew, and they really, really like you. How's the harvest field looking now? Yeah, better. And it's partly that what we hear so often in our ears is the media. What was the last portrayal you saw of a Christian on a TV programme? Were they friendly, caring, and good-humoured and generous? No. And when it came to Easter, or when it came to the census, what were the headlines? No. And when it comes to Easter, what will they be building us up or undermining us? And that's part of the issue. So we get told what our harvest field is like by someone who's not interested in us having a harvest. We need to stop listening to that and we need to start listening to when we look at what the harvest field is and what Jesus says. What did Jesus say? He said, plentiful. He said, plentiful. Now, what happens when we have a chat with a non-Christian? So we know a non-Christian, then we have a chat with a non-Christian. What happens after that? What do they think? Well, look at this. 36% were open to an experience or encounter with Jesus Christ. That's over, actually, one in in three of them. They were open to experience him. Oh, Easter, resurrected Jesus, experience. Oh, I know. I could invite people to come and experience the resurrected Jesus for themselves. Because they're open. Do you know, in 2015, that was one in five And in 2022, it was one in three. (coughs) How are we feeling about the harvest field now? It's getting better, better, isn't it? It's really getting better. In 2022, there are more people who'd like to experience the resurrected Jesus for themselves than there were in 2015. And I was pretty excited in 2015. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 33% after that conversation want to know more about Jesus Christ. Again, about one in three. Is that not exciting? And you know, the younger you go, the more open people get. More people want to know. If you go down the age brackets, more people want to know who are younger than, than who are older. There is a real openness. And it's now. The harvest is... Plentiful. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. That means that right now, amongst the people that you know, one in three of them 
want to know about Jesus, or one in three of them want to encounter him for themselves. That's not everybody, admittedly. There's still some closed doors out there, folks. But there are definitely people out there who we could bring into the family of God. So that was a look at the harvest. What about the harvesters? That's us lot. Uh, well, there's some good news here. About 6% of the population are practicing Christians. That's people who regularly go worship, regularly read their Bibles and pray. We put some high markers in. And it's stayed the same since 2015. So we are not in decline when it comes to the people who truly are the disciples of Jesus. And it also holds up across every generation. So we are not got a missing generation when it comes to people who are actually actively involved and following Jesus. And you might say it's only 6%. But you know, that's enough to change a nation. We're enough together to change a nation. We're together right across, if you like, a big umbrella of us, but we are enough to change a nation. We've been buoyed up particularly by the gift of the ethnic church amongst us, a real gift to us. So I loved the prayers we had at the beginning. Jesus has sent an army of his people to us to help us with this task so that we have more harvesters to harvest the harvest field. We are in touch with about 53% of the population's non-Christians. This is the only alarm bell since 2015. It used to be 68% in 2015. We've dropped because of the influence of the pandemic. So we've lost some of our reach. So we need to find ways. And this is something sometimes I struggle with. If I'm working in a Christian charity, coming and chatting away to Christians, I can, uh, and I live in Christian community, and I'm worried about buying the bananas, I, um, I can not emphasize the time I spend with the people who don't yet know Jesus. So that's really important. And they know us really well. We're mostly in this friend and family category. That is our biggest mission field, is actually in the people that we already know. Um, a lot of us have, a lot of those people have been spoken to, but there's a whole percentage who've never, have not had a conversation with a Christian. Do you remember what I said at the beginning? Does everybody deserve to at least once in their lifetime have the opportunity to hear about Jesus for themselves? Yeah. If we really believe it, then we have to be part of that answer. Yeah. Don't we? We have to yeah. be part of that answer. We have to overcome our like, oh, niggle, niggle, niggle. Um, now, we actually, most of these practicing Christians, that's you and me, think that it's every Christian's responsibility to talk. Uh, we feel comfortable talking, but we, sometimes it's that we don't know answers to hard questions. That's particularly tough if you're in the younger age brackets. Uh, they've got some big questions to talk about. And the EA, who we love working with, have just launched Being Human. So if you want something that will help you deal with the really big issues in an apologetic way for the younger generations, Being Human has just launched with the EA. Um, but this is a problem. Some of us don't feel we know anyone well enough. Do you see? So we feel like we've got, we feel like we've got, um, there's too big a bridge. We don't know anyone well enough to talk about it. And that's because our relational capacity often gets saturated amongst ourselves. And I know that. I know how easily that can happen. So that's something about us as amazing harvesters. But we are the team. We've been commissioned in the same way as that 12, the 72, and commissioned in the power of the Spirit to go out with the incredible good news of Jesus. Yeah. And then we're going to have a little look at harvesting. How are we going to do this? Well, we thought we'd ask non-Christians what they would do if they wanted to find out more about the Christian faith. Um, if you wanted to go 
go on holiday somewhere, where would you start looking? If you wanted to buy a new pair of shoes, where would you start looking? If you wanted to know what the weather was tomorrow, where would you start looking? If you wanted to uh, get a train, anyone got any answers of where you'd go? Yeah, online. So if you ask a whole group of non-Christians where they might go to find out about the Christian faith, what might their answer be in 2023? Online. So, number one is they would search for information on Google. And um, if they were under the age of uh, 23, they headed to YouTube. So that was all the 18 to, 18 to, the 18 to 23 year olds are there, everybody else's, we're up there. Um, so, obvious, obvious, obvious. Everything you do as a church you need is like, um, I hope it's out there, which is why when we do Easter together, we need to make noise in the digital space together. Does that make sense? We need to inhabit the digital world as a gift to us and invite everybody through that as well, as well as mouth to mouth, also through the internet, because it's an incredible gift to us. Ah, uh, but don't worry. Going to a local church, 22% know that they'd rock up here. Um, I, I'm staggered by how many people walk through the doors of our church on any given Sunday. Um, so one girl, one girl had arrived from uh, Beijing the other day, never been to church in her life, and it was explained to me, obviously, never been because never been allowed. So what was going to happen, what, what happens here? So I was trying to explain, and I said, why don't you come back at five o'clock, we've got another service. So she did rock up at five, and then I was trying, it's so fascinating trying to explain what a group of Christians do. Well, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that, and then we're going to, this is going to happen, and then, oh, we read from this, and we think this is the word of God, and then we're going to have communion. I'm like, oh, man. So trying to unpack it all to someone who's like, literally, you know, have you ever done, used to do that, ever done like trying to talk to an alien as if they've arrived? I'm not so, but, but actually, for her, the whole church thing was extraordinarily new. So then I turned to one of the amazing girls in my life group, and I said, why don't you tell her how you can? And she said, oh, well, um, I sort of walked into this church about, was it, I don't know, however many months ago. So that's how I started. And now I go, and I go to the angel group. I go to the Bible group. And I'm like, oh, hadn't quite worked that one out. But just the way she just walked in. So she just walked in. She thought, I'll find out about this. I think I might need some of that. I'll just walk in. Isn't that staggeringly exciting? And then this one. I love this. I've become Mrs. Bible Woman. (laughs) So I absolutely... Oh, that was me. Um, Do any of you read the Bible? Yes. Good. What happens when you read the Bible? You meet Jesus. God speaks on his own terms to you. Well, that's clever. I wonder if that would help anybody else in the world. (laughs) So, ta-da! We did some research. We sent some lovely YWAM teams out on the streets to find out what what mattered in giving somebody something of the Bible to read. The only thing that mattered to the younger generations was design. (laughs) It's a language. If you care about this, you wouldn't give me something with curly, damp paper on sort of naff paper, because it wouldn't say that it was of any value. Does that make sense? Because in their world, the things of value are highly well-designed. So we created both Luke and Mark's Gospel for this purpose, to give out to people who are searching for Jesus or want to find out about the Christian faith, and they're more likely to pick this up than... Do you see what I mean? Because it looks like, oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, 
we can't quite get enough of these because they keep just disappearing out of the door, which is good. And also we've put it digitally so that you can just hand out a card. These are easier in my handbag on a train. Um, well, I was talking to someone about, he was probably fitted my stats. He was around 23 and he said, you know what, I may be, he had two Christian friends. And he said, you know, I haven't really examined it for myself. Well, this is where you need to start. Do you mean you just need to read the life of Jesus and see what you think? But actually, people, people are willing. They want to read, and they want to read the Bible with people. That's a tremendous offer, like Bible group. Uh, the Bible is just amazing. I just love it. I'm so excited by how it transforms lives. So I'm just like so committed to get that out there so that anyone who is searching can find it and can find a way to read and discover Jesus for themselves. Because that's where they say they'd look. It's always good to put things where people say they'd look, rather than hide them. Like a game of hide and seek. I was interested in the Christian faith, cold, warm. Don't hide it. Let's go where people would look. They would look online in a local church and they'd read the Bible. We can do that, can't we? We've got that. Let's do that. Okay, what questions are they asking? And we didn't, we, we went, these questions resonated with a younger audience than an older audience. We discovered, um, a lot of people were asking, will everything be okay? The trauma of the pandemic has carried on with a war in Ukraine and an economic crisis. The world has wobbled and people don't know anymore if what they've planned for their life is going to work. And in fact, they're increasingly asking questions. Great opportunity for us. Um, what should I do with my life and purpose? They definitely resonated younger rather than older. Um, but there are these questions that people live with, and we need to find out more where people are questioning. Finally, how did you come to faith? How did you come to faith? So we asked all our practicing Christians. Now, this was kind of what I was expecting but didn't find around my uh, girls' group table. I was expecting more people to have come from a Christian background because, statistically speaking, that would be the case. But, hey, we seem to be bucking the trend. Um, and then look at number two, anybody? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm. Sometimes we look for new tricks. If we all stand on our head at three o'clock wearing yellow, <laughs> do, do you see what I mean? Yeah. God, speaking on his own terms, will never come back to him empty, will it? Yeah. So reading the Bible. Uh, church services. So many people just walking into what you are already doing. Sunday school, a spiritual experience, conversations, life events. Um, that's positive or negative. We're going to see that one again in a minute. Responding to the gospel at a Christian event or service. I'm not sure we're still asking people to follow Jesus. We need to give people the opportunity. Does that make sense? Um, I did this amazing talk with a, with a church, one of my friend's churches, and then they all sat there and went, okay then come back and do a women's event. And we did a classic, like a classic women's event. We had tea and we had cake, and then I got the chance to stand up and speak, and they all brought their friends. It was amazing. We've kind of got a bit out of the habit of that, but the harvest is... So we need to do that. We need to have the confidence to just go back to some of the things. that we. It was amazing. People's friends came. My friend said, oh, I got really nervous. I brought my friend. I got really nervous when you got into eternity. And then I looked at my friend. and She, she was the first person to come and talk to me after the service, straight down the front. Mm-hmm. Everything you, you had to say, I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And then my friend was like, yeah. Because we all sit there going, oh, I'm not sure. But Jesus said, 
the harvest is plentiful. And her friend was straight down the front. I ran out of Luke's Gospels, oh, me of little face. <laughs> um, and um, these are some more things that help. These are some more things, but obviously not as big. Then um, a lot of people like here are coming to faith through Christian family from birth. A lot of people make their mind up around by the time they're 18. But do you know what? People come to faith at any and every age and can do. And I want to say that really clearly. And that's what this shows. So both. Lots of, we do need to look at our younger age brackets. We're going to do that in a minute. Um, finally, I, went to, I wrote this report. And for those of you who'd like one, I've got some copies. I went to sleep, if you've ever done this. It went off the printing press, lovely. And then I woke up two weeks later in the middle of the night going, oh. Um, and I had forgotten to break out how adults come to faith. Does that make sense? This is how adults come to faith. The number one influence that brings an adult to faith is a life event. Something outside of them that impacts them. It can be positive or negative. It can be... Somebody dying, somebody being born. It can be changing a job. It can be anything, do you mean, moving, something. It can be a pandemic. It can be a war in Ukraine. It can be an economic crisis. That's why we're seeing the growth of openness now. We've been together in the UK through a collective series of life events. And it's given us the biggest harvest field opportunity that we've had in years. And our internal hunches, we're all a bit exhausted from it. I get that, because we've all been through the trauma. But if we wait till we're feeling better, it will be too late, because everybody will be feeling more sorted. And that's why we went for Easter 24. It's why we went for a year of mission now. It's why this Christmas, you need to go for it like you've never gone for it before. You need to ask everybody and their cat and their dog. We have a trend of dogs coming to church. You need to ask everybody and their cat and their dog to Christmas. Because they are hungry. Because they've all been through these life events. And do you know what? What they were standing on has been found wanting. The foundations aren't working. They don't know where to go. There's every chance they'll come to what you do at Christmas. And every chance they'll come at Easter. We just have to have the courage to get out there and ask them. So very excited about Christmas and Easter because of this. And then those things. I'm going to throw in one left field just because I can't help myself because I love stats. 74% of all of the parents with children under the age of five are in touch with what organisation in the UK? The church. Looking for a mission field and an opportunity. It's called a life event. Somebody gave birth. They stare at this child and they go, I don't know, maybe there's a God or something. Because it's a miracle, isn't it? That's what people say to you, if you've not heard it a thousand times, the miracle of birth. So what they do is go, I might need some help with the spiritual side of things. There's a toddler group in the local church, I'll go there. We give them a custard cream and a nice cup of tea. (laughs) And then they go home. So, I don't know, you might be doing loads of Jesus in, your, in those kind of outreaches. I honestly think this is, if we, we could reach a whole generation, we could reach a whole generation, if any of you are in that ministry, we could, reach a whole, we could reach a whole generation of the under fives and bring them to a living relationship with Jesus by the age of three. You might think I've gone totally mad, but I haven't. 
Um, and we're trying to work with you to do that. We, I don't know if you're right. If you do have children under that age, you'll know the Happy Land characters. Owned by the, uh, they were by Early Learning Centre. They're now owned by the Entertainers Toy Store. And um, the lovely man who owns the, and he's a Christian. So we get to tell the whole story of Jesus right the way through God's big story from beginning to end with Happy Land characters with songs and animations. This is because I really believe we could reach a whole generation of under fives and have a different conversation in 10 or 20 years' time. Does that make sense? So yeah. I was a bit left field, but I had to throw it in. So you can come and talk to me about that if anything, but I, I think that is an opportunity for the church and their parents. So I'm on the train. I was going to Ashburnham Place. Um, I was going to the Ichthus Church Festival, because they all use that space for a festival. So I'm going, I've been at Focus. I've got a suitcase full of, like, bits and bobs and these and Luke's Gospels and goodness knows. And I'm on the train and I'm a bit tired because I've been at Focus and it's quite noisy. She so don't sleep that well. And I'm trying to go and speak, so I'm trying to get my head around that. And then this family get on with their little child who's definitely under the age of three, probably around that age. You know, at the I don't want to do anything you say age. Anyway, she <laughs> starts, eventually she's got her crayons and she thinks maybe the wall of the train looks like a colouring block. And I'm like, oh man... And they are a lovely, lovely family. And then I remember that in my book, in my, I've got Noah's Ark. I'm like, I could give them Noah's Ark. Oh, no, I shouldn't. Statistically speaking, Rachel, they are the most open group in the UK I know. <laughs> but I look really weird. Like the weird woman on the train. Hello. <laughs> I have a book for your... Ch I can't... Oh, I don't know. But Rachel... They might not know Jesus. They might never meet another person who knows Jesus. How weird can you look? And how bad is it going to get? <laughs> okay. So, I pull out Noah's Ark. Hello, would your daughter like this book? I'm from a charity, we make them, la la la. Oh, lovely, thank you. So there I am, pointing out penguins and giraffes with the little girl and reading Noah's Ark on the train. And the dad goes, it's, it's amazing, he said. It's very interesting. He said, um, I did some level of chapel when I was at growing up, but it didn't mean anything to me. But I, I, we've had this chart, obviously we've had our daughter, and together for the first time in our lives ever, two weeks ago, we went to a church. He said, because I don't know, but I want something. I want her to have the chance to decide whether or not there's a God for herself. Oh! So he said, it's amazing we've met you, really. <laughs> Talk about an open door. Talk about an open door. Guess who I met on the train coming back? Anyway, the same people. <laughs> I'm the woman with all the stats. And it's, I still sat there going, they're going to think I'm weird. Because we're British. And we don't interrupt people on trains when we're British, do we? Or hand out flyers or books, because they'll really think... But eternity is at stake. Them knowing Jesus is at stake. We had the most extraordinary conversation about how important it is that that small child has the chance to discover God now. And I asked them about it. They said, oh, yeah, it was called an evangelical church. Said, Are you an evangelical? I'm like, yes, I'm an evangelical. It's a, that's good. You go to an evangelical church. That'll be great. Um, because I think they'll tell them about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? The harvest is... 
It's the workers, we're a bit British. <laughs> we're not few. We're just a bit British. I've got a friend who, she's not, not so British, she's joined our church, she's extraggering, you know. We were in a Marks and Spencers the other day, and she loves, I don't know, she loves prawn sandwiches, they were on offer, so she bought herself a prawn sandwich. So she's in a queue buying a prawn sandwich, the girl behind her is buying a reduced prawn sandwich, and somehow we got from reduced prawn sandwiches to Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you do that? But we did. She's, she's like, and she said, Rachel, what does it matter? What well, does it matter what people think of me? I mean, really, she should be here and not me. She's staggeringly good at this because she just doesn't, she just like, she just keeps going. And as it was, the girl was going to some Muslim friend's reading of something or other because she's interested in faith. So glad she brought a prawn sandwich, aren't you? The harvest is. The workers are just a bit British. So let's pray. We need to pray for the same things. We need to pray, as Jesus said, that he's sending us out, that we are able to go out in his authority, that we have confidence uh, to pray for people's healing, to interrupt them on trains, to disturb them when they're buying prawn sandwiches. Smile at everyone. If they smile back, you've got an opportunity. <laughs> if that is true, if they smile back, you've got an opportunity. My mum's brilliant at this. I think she can get away with anything because she's older. She's 83. So we go to the harvester and she's, and we, this family next to us, we get chatting away and out comes her little, you know, um, life words. I'm just going to give you this start, dear. It's full of verses from the Bible. They are not going to say no to her. <laughs> no one could. But we've got to. Because we don't know when Jesus is coming back, do we? We are the salt and light. You are the commissioned army of God. And Jesus has given you his message of undying love for the people around us. What will you do for Easter 24? Can you, we're looking at chalking the streets for a big campaign. Can you maybe have your worship here in the morning and then all of you tip out into Basingstoke in the afternoon and have the biggest praise party Basingstoke has ever seen? Yeah. Together, across all the... You could do that, couldn't you? Yeah. Make some noise. Yeah. We need to make some noise. We need to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the truth of Jesus. And doesn't he say, put your light up on a hill. Put your light up on a hill. We're still on that. Put the light of Jesus up on a hill and make it plain. So I'm going I'm to pray for us. I've got, um, I've got talking Jesus reports. I've got some other things for you to have a look at. Um, if you are able and would love to join us at Hope, we really, that would be a real privilege and honour to us. If you're not, we totally understand. You can sign up to our e-news. You don't have to read it every month, but every so often you might find something stirring, inspiring, and really helpful, uh, particularly around Christmas and Easter. If you could give anything to us, like the price of coffee per month, that would superbly help us. But um, I totally understand it's really hard times, and that not, might not be appropriate. So just under Jesus. But we want to do this together. We want to be able to take this message and get the whole army of God, the people of light and love and truth, going out in the power of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. And do you know what? There's enough of us. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I get the joy of travelling around. There's enough of us. Yeah. And if we really chose to, 
we could light the UK up with the love and truth and message of Jesus. Amen. 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 Should we pray? Do you want to stand up? Do you want to? Let's pray. Oh. Father God. Father, I thank you for this extraordinary group of churches here. You have called them. And you know them. And you have placed them in the places that you've placed them. They are to be a beacon on a hill. With your light, your love, and your truth. Holy Spirit, will you anoint again? Will you recommission this extraordinary group of people? To be Jesus, his voice, his hands, his feet. To speak his truth, to speak his love. To hold up high his name. We want to see the name of Jesus high. Lifted high and drawing all people. All people into his glorious, wonderful truth and love and light. Come, Spirit of God. Show us each and every person that we can give and help your truth to. Release, Lord Jesus, here in this place. The evangelists, the witnesses, the reluctant ones amongst us to be and speakers of your truth and your grace. Lord, may we see extraordinary things. May we see extraordinary things here, Jesus, in this group of churches, in the places you have placed us, that many, many people will come and join our family. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen.